part three chapter four a of a vital question or what is to be done by nikolai chernyshevsky translated by nathan haskell dole eighteen fifty two to nineteen thirty five and others this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part three chapter four a vera pavlovna's sewing union was established the foundations were very simple at first so simple indeed that it is not worth while to speak of them vera pavlovna did not make any rules at all for her first three seamstresses except that she would pay them a trifle more than the regular seamstresses were getting at the shops there was nothing particularly strange about the business the seamstresses saw that vera pavlovna was not a woman of mere words not fickle and therefore without any hesitation they accepted her offer to work with her there was no reason for hesitation in the fact that a woman of moderate means wanted to establish a sewing shop these three girls found three or four more they selected them with the same care with which vira pavlovna proposed to them and in these conditions of choice there was nothing worthy of suspicion that is there was nothing out of the ordinary run about it a young and modest woman wishes the working girls in her establishment to be girls of straightforward character kind considerate inclined to stay in one place is there anything strange about that she does not want any quarrels that's all and therefore it's clever of her and nothing more vera pavlovna made acquaintance with these chosen girls she became very well acquainted with them before she agreed to accept them that was natural it shows that she is a woman of sound common sense and that's all there is nothing to deliberate about there is nothing to distrust thus they worked a month receiving in due time the wages which had been agreed upon vera pavlovna was constantly at the shop and they learned to look upon her as an economical careful and reasonable woman with unusual consideration for them and thus she won their full confidence there was nothing extraordinary about that either nor was anything noticeable except that the mistress was a good mistress in whose hands the business would succeed she knows how to manage but at the end of a month vira pavlovna came into the shop one day with some kind of an account book she asked her seamstresses to stop work and listen to what she had to say she began to speak in very simple language things which were comprehensible very comprehensible but which her seamstresses had never heard before either from her or from anybody else now that we know each other well she began i can say of you that you are good workers and good girls and you will not say that i am a fool consequently i can speak with you frankly about my ideas if you should find anything strange in them you will think carefully about them and not insist that my ideas are foolish because you know that i am not a foolish woman this is the plan that i propose good people say that it is possible to establish sewing-shops where seamstresses might work to much greater profit to themselves than in those shops that we know about and so i wanted to make an experiment judging by the first month it appears that it can be done you have been receiving your wages regularly and now i want to tell you how much over and above your wages and all other expenses remain in my hands as clear profit vera pavlovna read over to them the debit and credit account for the month in the expense account were reckoned besides the wages paid all other expenses the rent of the shop light 
even down to Vi^ra Pavlovna's charges for an izvoshchik which she hired in the interest of the shop and cost about a ruble. You see, she continued, there remains in my hands so much money. Now what am I going to do with it? I have established this sewing shop with the express purpose of letting the profits go to the very seamstresses by whose work it was earned. Therefore, I am going to divide it among you. This first time, all of you will get an equal share, each one of you her own. By and by, we can see whether we cannot manage it better, or whether there isn't some other way that will not be still more profitable for you. She divided the money. For some time, the seamstresses could not believe their senses, so great was their surprise. Then they began to pour out their thanks. Vera Pavlovna gave them sufficient time to express their gratitude for the division of the money, so that she might not hurt their feelings by refusing to listen, for that would have looked like indifference to their opinions and inclinations. Then she continued, Now I must explain to you the hardest question of all. It will be sure to arise, and I do not know as I shall be able to make it plain to you. Yet I must speak about it. Why didn't I keep the money, and what was my design in establishing the shop, if I did not intend to profit from the advantage arising from it? I live with my husband, as you know, and have a sufficiency. We are not rich, but we have all that we need. If I am in need of anything, all I have to do would be to ask my husband for it, and I should not even have to ask him, for he would see that I was in want of more money, and I should have it. He does not spend his time now in doing those things which bring him in most money, but in those things which he likes best. And as we love each other dearly, it pleases him most of all to do those things which I like, and it is the same with me. Therefore, if I should be short of money, he would undertake some business which would be more profitable than his present occupation. And he is able to find such a business because he is a clever and an able man. But you have some idea of him, and the fact that he does not do so is proof positive that the money which we both have is enough for us both. This is because I have no great hankering after money, for you know that different people have different desires and not all care for money. Some hanker after balls, some after fine dresses or cards, and all such people are ready to ruin themselves for the sake of their passion, and a good many do ruin themselves, and no one is surprised that their passion is dearer to them than money and my hobby happens to be this thing which i am trying to arrange with you and i not only do not ruin myself for the sake of my hobby but i do not even spend any money on it and i am only too glad to give up some of my time to it and do not take any of the profit for myself well now according to my idea there is nothing strange about this for who expects to make any money out of his pet hobby everybody else even goes to expense for the sake of gratifying it but i do not do that i do not put any money out consequently the advantage lies on my side compared with others for i ride my hobby and get pleasure out of it without any loss to myself whereas others have to spend money for their pleasures and why is it that i have this hobby this is the reason kind and clever people have written many books about the way men should get along in this world how all should have the chance to enjoy life and our principal way they say, consists in starting shops according to a new system. And so I want to see for myself whether we shall be able to start such a system as is needed. It is just the same as when one man wants to build a fine house, another to plant a splendid garden or orangery so as to get pleasure out of them. So do I want to start a fine sewing shop so that I may have pleasure in it. 
Of course, it would have been satisfactory enough if I were to divide the profits among you every month, as I have just done. But clever people say that there is still a better way of doing it, so that there should be more profits, and the profits themselves should be used to much better advantage. They say that this can be very easily done. Now we shall see. I shall tell you by degrees what can be done according to the ideas of clever people, and if you yourselves will take notice as you look on, and anything which promises well suggests itself to you, we can try to do it little by little according to circumstances. But I must confess to you that without your aid I cannot take this new step. Nothing new shall be tried without your approval. Clever men say that only what people themselves want to do turns out well, and I think so too. Consequently, you need not fear any new departures, for everything will go on in the old way unless you yourselves want to make a change. Without your own wish, nothing can be done. And now, this is my last order as mistress of the shop without your advice. You see that accounts must be kept and care must be taken that there are no unnecessary expenses. Last month I managed the business myself, but henceforth I do not want to take charge of it. Select two of your number to act in concert with me. I will not do anything without them. It is your money and not mine. Therefore you must look after it. As yet, the thing is an experiment. It has not yet been shown who among you is most capable of managing it. So, for the time being, those who are selected must serve for only a short term, and in a week you will find out whether it will be necessary to select others or leave the former in their places. Long discussions were awakened by these unusual words but vira pavlovna had already gained their confidence and she spoke so simply not going too far in advance and conjuring up any extraordinary prospects which after a moment's enthusiasm would fade away into distrust that the girls did not look upon her as a lunatic and that was all that was required that she should not be regarded as a lunatic the experiment progressed slowly of course it progressed slowly here is a short history of the shop for the first three years during which it played the principal part in the life of Vera Pavlovna herself. The girls who at first made up the personnel of the new shop were carefully selected. They were good seamstresses. They were directly interested in the success of the scheme. Therefore, it was natural that the work went on successfully. The shop never lost any of its customers who once entrusted it with orders. There was some envy manifested on the part of several shops and factories, but it did not produce the least effect except to oblige vera pavlovna to take out a license to display a sign so that there may not be any chicanery soon more orders began to come in than the girls who at first made up the union were able to fill and thus they were obliged gradually to increase their numbers at the end of a year and a half there were twenty girls in the union and after that still more one of the first results of giving a decisive voice to the entire shop in the management of its business was a decision which might have been expected in the very first month of their regime the girls decided that it would not do for vira pavlovna to work without pay when they announced this decision to her she said that they were right they wanted to give her the third part of the profits she laid it aside for some time before she ventured to explain to them that it was diametrically opposed to the fundamental idea of their scheme for some time they could not understand this then afterwards they came to the conclusion that vira pavlovna refused a special share of the profits not from self-conceit but from the nature of the experiment itself 
by this time the shop had expanded to such dimensions that vi^ra pavlovna by herself was not able to attend to all the cutting and so she had to get an assistant they gave vi^ra pavlovna the same wages as the other cutter the money which she had been laying aside was now by her request taken back into the common fund with the exception of what was due her for her work as cutter the balance was employed in the establishment of a bank for about a year vi^ra pavlovna spent the larger part of each day at the shop and really worked as hard as any one else according to the schedule of hours when she saw the possibility of spending less time in the shop than a whole day her wages were reduced in proportion how should the profits be divided vi^ra pavlovna wanted to bring it about that the profits should be divided equally among them all they consented to this only towards the middle of the third year before that time they tried several different schemes at first they divided the profits proportionally according to the wages earned by each then they came to the conclusion that if a girl missed work for a few days on account of illness or any other important reason it would not be fair to reduce her share of the division money which properly speaking had not been gained during those few days but by the general course of the work and the general state of the shop then they went a step further and agreed that the cutters and other girls who received extra wages by delivering orders and other duties were already sufficiently paid by their extra wages and that therefore it would be unfair for them to get proportionally more than the others also in their share of the profits the ordinary seamstresses who had no extra duties were so modest that they did not ask for any charge although they saw the injustice of the other arrangement which was due to their own vote the others who had this extra compensation felt the awkwardness of availing themselves of the extra division and when they once came into the spirit of the scheme they entirely refused it it is necessary however to remark that this temporary modesty the patience of the ones and the refusal of the others was not a remarkable step taking into the consideration the constant improvement in the affairs of both sides the most difficult task of all was to develop the idea that the ordinary seamstresses were all entitled to an equal share in the profits notwithstanding the fact that some of them were earning more wages than others that seamstresses who were working more successfully than others were already sufficiently compensated for the success of their work by getting better wages the last change in the way of dividing the profits was accomplished in the middle of the third year after the shop girls understood that the receiving of the profits was not the reward for the art of one or two of their number but the result of the general character of the shop the result of its arrangement its aim and this aim meant equality so far as was possible in the profits for all participating in the work without regard to their personal peculiarities that upon this character of the union depended the participation of the workers in the profits but the character of the union its spirit its arrangement consisted in the participation of all and for this participation of all every member was a necessary factor the silent acquiescence of the most hesitating and of the least gifted is no less beneficial for the preservation and development of the scheme no less profitable for all of them and for the success of the whole enterprise than the active zeal of the most lively and gifted i omit a good many details because i am not describing the workshop but i simply enter into it with sufficient fullness to illustrate vi'ra pavlovna's activity 
if i mention some details it is only because i wanted to show how vi^ra pavlovna acted how she conducted the business step by step patiently and tirelessly and how firmly she kept up to her rule not to show her hand as mistress but to explain to advise to plan to offer her assistance to bring to a successful issue the decision of her cooperatives end of part three chapter four a recording by expatriate in bangor maine